What are you teaching your kid when you grab them away and tell them to be quiet? You're teaching them essentially to be ashamed for noticing someone who's different. Hi, we are Colleen and Colleen, and we have made it our mission to spread kindness and make everyone feel like they belong. So each week we will share real life stories, motivating insights, and helpful tips that will inspire you to live a kinder, happier life. We believe that together we can make the world a much better place. Are you in? I'm in. Let's do this. Welcome to the You Fit Here podcast. Hi, everybody. It's CB, and welcome to You Fit Here, another awesome episode. We are so excited to have Ryan Hack on our show today. Ryan was born missing his left arm just below his elbow, but he is so much more than that. He is a husband, a father, and author of an outstanding book, Different is Awesome, a motivational speaker, a blogger, and an amazing human being. And we are so excited to have you, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here for sure. Oh, yay. Well, we are going to discuss all these awesome things that you have and do and the gifts you bring to the world. But before we get there, you got to take us back. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself, your childhood, yeah. and yeah, all the good stuff. Yeah. So, um, yes, I was born with one hand. Uh, growing up, I said all kinds of things to people like bear attack, shark attack, <laughs> train accident. I remember there was one time we were at a park and my dad, all these kids were kind of gathered around me kind of, you know, you could tell they were wondering what was going on. And my dad said, Hey, you guys ever been to an alligator pit? And they all (laughs) kind of looked at him and he was like, yeah, Ryan did. He got too close though. So you got to be careful when you go to those (laughs) things. And I'll kind of freaked out. Um, So that's, so you get a little sense of my uh, humor here involved, but um, yeah, I was, so it was a long, long time ago. I was born. It was a surprise to everyone. Uh, the doctors, uh, my parents, nobody knew that I was going to be born with one hand. So they all kind of freaked out a little bit right at first, um, but then checked me out and I was otherwise totally healthy. So I went home and just was a kid like anybody else. Um, I really never had any problems when it came to um, confidence and my hand, as far as like doing things, I did everything that I wanted to, um, learn how to ride a bike, learn how to tie my shoes, you know, all the things that little kids, kind of those benchmarks, um, that they mm-hmm. learn. I did the same thing and I was treated really just the same as everyone else. I think that was a big part of kind of why I am the way I am now. Um, just had a, I have a huge family. My dad, was one of, I'm going to get these wrong now. My dad was one of 10. My mom was one of 11. Um, oh, so I have like aunts and uncles and cousins everywhere you look. Um, and they were all supportive. Always, you know, just treated me like anybody else. And the same with my teachers and my friends and just always had good friends around. And so to me, my arm was not even something that I really thought about. I was just a, a normal kid doing normal things. In fact, I, th- I think I was somewhat overconfident a lot of the time when I was when I was a kid, which got me in trouble sometimes. But I mean, I made fun of a kid the first day of kindergarten. The kid with one hand <laughs> would made fun of another kid. And my teacher had no idea what to do. Like she was like, ah, do I punish you? I don't know if you're allowed to do that. This I'm not sure this is unfamiliar territory. So that, you know, so my younger childhood I would say was was pretty normal. My wife sometimes says that I 
that's not the right word, but <laughs> to me, it was normal. Um, to us, we think that's a great word. <laughs> right. Uh, and so, yeah, that was, that was kind of my childhood. And then even going through, you know, middle school and high school, I, I was in band. I was in all of the bands, played trumpet and trombone and euphonium, and I played piano and sing, and I was in drama. I was in some musicals and played all, all the sports. Uh, you name them, I play them. Uh, other than soccer, which is always weird to people because they're like, <laughs> you can't even use your hands in soccer. Like, why wouldn't that be the one that you play? And the one you go well. for. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so that's, you know, so that's some of it. Um, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you for to see where mm-hmm. we want to go next. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever have, like, a moment or an age where you weren't so confident or didn't feel that great childhood. Right. You know. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think um my my initial reaction is no. Like I I don't remember a time where I was upset or where I was jealous or where I felt like really different from other people. And I think a lot of that had to do with the people around me and just kind of the way I'm built to just my personality is such that it it didn't bother me. And so even when people ask like if I was bullied, I, I never was or or I just didn't understand it. <laughs> like it just didn't okay. affect me. Like I may have been bullied and just it made no impact on me whatsoever. There was one time uh, where somebody said something that I remember and I was in, I, was, I think I was a freshman in high school and somebody said something. I was on the track team and we we're out for a run and this guy said something and I don't even remember what it was. It didn't bother me that much. Uh, but there was another guy who was a senior and he basically like picked the kid up and threw him on the hood of a car and was like, <laughs> Nope, we don't do that. <laughs> that's, and I was just like, Hey, that's cool. Like, you know, it, so it felt good to be, someone stood up for me, even yeah. though I didn't really care. Didn't, <laughs> but, didn't need it. But yeah. Right. But yeah, so it's, I, I don't think there was uh, a time for me really that I, that I experienced that, that negativity. There are definitely moments for sure. Um, that stick out that are uncomfortable or awkward, you know, things like that. But overall, just, uh, I I don't think I've had a negative time with it ever. That's so amazing. You grew up in Wisconsin, right? I did. Yes. Uh, the Madison, Wisconsin area. Good old Wisconsinites. Mm -hmm. That's all that kindness. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've never really thought about that. Midwest nice. Everybody was Midwest nice when I was a kid. Right, <laughs> I I love the Midwest. Nice, CS mm-hmm. and I both grew up with that. Nice, loving, <laughs> loving area for sure. So you mentioned your wife. When did you meet your wife? So technically, I met my wife when her brother is my best friend. Oh no! <laughs> and, and has been since like middle school. Oh. So I used to see her when I would go like sleep over at his house in middle school, but she was just like you know, the dumb older sister. Um, <laughs> so so we did, she was a senior when I was a freshman in high school. And so we never really, I mean, we crossed paths and stuff, but mm-hmm. um, it wasn't until we were both out of school, we went to college and then we came back and we were actually helping uh, with a youth group at a church that we both went to. And we actually both worked at the same place uh, for a while and just got closer and closer until finally I asked her to go out and she called her brother and said, Stephen, I just want you to know that 
Ryan and I are dating. And he was like, my Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me break like, it to you. Um, I guess. <laughs> like, technically, I guess he's mine now. He's like, no, he'll always be my Ryan. That whole thing was was pretty awesome how it worked out. I mean, her family is really like a second family to me anyway and, and always has been. That's amazing. Yeah. And you guys built a family together. We did. Yep. Uh, we have three kids. Sam is a sophomore. He's turning 16 next week, which that's... Ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, then two daughters, Anna is 14 and Claire is 12. So Aww. yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. I, I was just going to say, I, I remember my dad um, saying something about like when my kids were born and, and maybe this is kind of a tangent, but I'm just thinking about it right now. Mm-hmm. The kids. But I remember my dad, we were in the kitchen and my son had just been born and he was like, so that must've been a relief, huh? And I was like, in in what way? <laughs> like, oh my it was God. like, did you didn't you ever think like was he gonna be born with, with one hand? And I was like, huh, no. <laughs> Should I have? <laughs> I was like, and then I talked to my wife and she was like, What? Of course I thought about that. Um, and I was just like so oblivious to it. And they were like, we weren't worried about it. We were just curious if, if that would happen, you know? And so it was interesting to kind of that was just another one of those moments where it was like, other people think about this way more than I do, <laughs> you know? So when your kids were growing up, mm-hmm. did they ever, you know, ask you about it or have friends that, mm-hmm. was that a topic that had to come up for you guys? Yeah. I mean, not really. I mean, there were, there were moments, my son actually just told me the other day that his friends get annoyed with him because he makes jokes about me to them so like for instance this kid was like when he goes out a door if he doesn't know which side opens he just puts one hand on each side and pushes to see where where it opens Mm -hmm. and my son said must be nice my dad can't do that (laughs) (laughs) and he's like they didn't even laugh or anything and so it's something that comes up in their lives Uh, but growing up they didn't I mean it wasn't something we ever really discussed and it wasn't Mm -hmm. something I mean they knew it my daughter, Claire, actually, when she was, I think she was in kindergarten, we went in for a classroom visit or whatever, and she ran up to her teacher and said, whatever her name was, Mrs. Smith or something, this is my dad. He has one hand. <laughs> like that was how she introduced me. And she was like, yep, he, he does. Okay. The only other thing I was thinking like with my kids was when they were all in diapers, mm-hmm. and my wife hates this because it's just true. It just is. And I don't know why it is, but when they were in diapers... Whenever I would change their diaper, they would just lay still. And when she would change it, they would be regular babies, right? Like just thrashing around and going crazy. And she would literally sneak, like I would be changing one of them in a room and she would like sneak in and peek around the corner to see if it was actually happening. She's like, how do they even know? Like they're tiny. They couldn't possibly know that they should be still for you. And yet somehow... (laughs) They do. It was super bizarre and really funny. And she was so jealous of that. <laughs> oh, my. I bet I would be too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like holding one foot. Uh-huh. Get back here, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Well, clearly you have the world's best personality, as our audience can, <laughs> can tell from just this. So, what made you want to share your voice? about being different with other people in the world? Yeah, that's a great question too. I think 
I've always been a writer. I've always loved to write and to read. I mean, for the longest time, it was just random stuff, you know? And so it was like, I'd have just a random blog about nothing. And it was, you know, it would be fine writing, but it wasn't focused really on anything. And then there was, gosh, I'm trying to think of when it even was now, 2012-ish, somewhere around there, 11 or 12. I actually live about a block and a half away from a Culver's restaurant here in Wisconsin. And I went there to eat. (laughs) It's the best. Uh, So it's like a great thing, but also horrible that I lived that close. (laughs) But I remember I was eating there. And as I was eating, this family walked in and there was a little boy who had an arm that was just like mine. And, you know, we kind of made eye contact and did a little head nod, right? And like his mom was there and she saw and I could tell she was kind of like, oh my gosh, like this is incredible. And so I just, whatever, I finished my, my meal, started walking to the door. And then she did basically like ran after me, like pulling her kid along to be like, oh my gosh. And we just kind of stood there and she kind of presented us to each other. <laughs> and like, you could tell he couldn't have cared less. This was right. all mom's idea. And like, I was trying to talk to him about baseball because he had a jersey on and he just, he was not into it, which was fine because I was like, that's the way I would have been if my right. mom did that with me. But I could tell it made a huge difference to her mm-hmm. just to see someone like her son. Mm-hmm. And I never noticed that either. Like up to that point, like I, I was never scouring the room to see how many hands people had. Like it's just <laughs> never right. crossed my mind to do that. And so just the mm-hmm. fact that I saw him and he was that close to where I live and I'm eating dinner. And so I left there kind of thinking, if someone can be that impacted by me eating dinner by myself, <laughs> like I feel like I could be more intentional yeah. about things and kind of sharing my experience. And so that was kind of the genesis of where I started thinking more intentionally about how can I help? How can I use my experience and my voice to help other people? And I honestly, it took me a while. Like it took me probably a year and a half, almost two to even figure out, like I had no idea what people even needed help with, you know, mm-hmm. cause like I, I didn't struggle. I didn't have, I wasn't followed around on the playground and pointed at and made fun of and things like that, at least that I remember. And so I had to figure out, you know, I went on chat boards and all kinds of stuff to figure out what questions do people have that I can help with. Um, and that was kind of where I started and talked about, you know, how do I handle being stared at was one of the first things that I wrote. And that seemed to like strike a chord with people and really just got conversations happening because everyone experiences things in different ways and they deal with them in different ways, which is great. And that was just part of what I wanted to, to accomplish with that. So that was kind of where that stuff started. I, I started my website, livingonehanded.com. And I started making videos about how I do things with one hand and I try to make them funny so that people laugh, but also see that it can be done. I, I did a podcast of my own for a while, kind of interviewing people who I thought similar to you, like who I thought were inspiring um, and, and just doing cool things with their lives. So yeah, that was, that was where that started. That's amazing. And you don't just talk about differences. Mm-hmm. You also talk about mental health and you do um, speeches and programs at schools. Mm-hmm. Right. Tell us a little bit about why that started. Yeah, sure. So I so the they're kind of separate, I would say. Okay. My my school visit, so I do 
assemblies for schools um, with the book that you mentioned, Different is Awesome. And I can kind of let me tell that story a little bit just because that will lead into this. I, when I was younger, one of my younger brothers, Joey, his teacher told him to bring something cool for show and tell. And so he brought me for show and tell <laughs> and just sat me in front of his class. It was like, it was my brother. It's one hand. Pretty cool. <laughs> and then they just asked me questions, you know, about how I did things. And that just always kind of stuck with me. And even at the time, it was really weird to me because I was in my early 20s at that point. And so to me, I was just like, why are we doing this? Like, this is so weird. <laughs> right? But then looking back on it, I was like, oh, man, this is this is actually really great. Because mm-hmm. kids always have those questions. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of where the book came from. And so Different is Awesome kind of retells that story. And then the kids ask the brother questions and you get to see how he does different things. And as you're going through, you can see that each of the kids who are asking questions, there's something different about them as well, whether they're tall or short or have red hair or freckles or, you know, and so then by the end, you realize we're all different in some way or another. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's visible, sometimes it's not, but we all have those unique things about us. And so it's about celebrating those things and embracing those things and seeing the positivity in those things. And so I get to go to schools and talk about that and just basically tell kids they're awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. however they are, you're awesome the way you are. And and it's not like a, an anti-bullying message. It's more of a embrace yourself for who you are. And when you do that, then you can do that with other people too. Um, and mm-hmm. so it kind of, it's kind of this subversive almost <laughs> like, you know, let's all just be nice to each other and kind to each other because we deserve it you know? Yeah. And so that's, that's what I do with schools. Um, and it's awesome. I mean, I've done a ton of them. I continue, I was just in Pewaukee, Wisconsin doing, um, a school there. Um, next week, uh, I leave and do a kind of a East coast tour up and down Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut. And I'm doing, I think like eight schools in five days or something like that. Oh my gosh. And so it's, and I love it. Like it's exhausting, but it is mm-hmm. fantastic. And I would, you know, it's, it's exactly what I want to do. And then the mental health piece is just something that like, especially on my, it's more on my blog, I would say, or my website I've been sharing. I've always been pretty open about my own um, mental health and it's been up and down. I've struggled with anxiety, depression. In fact, like when I was starting my website, part of the reason that it took me so long to do it was because I am a perfectionist. And and so I didn't want to do anything if it wasn't going to be exactly right. And it took forever. And so I actually saw a therapist. And that was part of what we talked about was him walking me through like, okay, let's say you post something and everyone in the world hates it. <laughs> what yeah. happened? Like, so? <laughs> right? And just like taking me through those different strategies of dealing with that. Because honestly, for a while, like for me, basically everything, everything ended with me either dead or in jail in my mind, (laughs) you know, like that was how negative or fatalistic I was. Like if I got worried about something, somehow I was going to end up dead or in jail. That was just where it went. And I'm not exaggerating. Like that sounds ridiculous and it is, but it, it was actually true and that's no way to live. (laughs) And so I, I went through counseling for quite a while and I still do it today And then another part of that um, that we can get into a little bit here is um, I actually lost my dad to suicide in November of 2014. So we just passed five years uh, on that. And that was, I mean, easily the most shocking thing 
in my life. Um, I never would have guessed that that would have happened. Um, his brother, actually, my uncle Ed, uh, died by suicide when I was in first grade, I think it was, a long, long time ago. And I remember my dad being very still visibly upset about that. You know, how can he do that to our parents, to his kids, to all of us? Doesn't make any sense. And just really angry. And that was, you know, a year or two before my dad did himself. And so that's why um, he actually had a, a heart issue that he had to have surgery for that was a surprise. He had a, a tear actually in his aorta. And so he had to open heart surgery. They repaired it. But he, like, I think, and part of when you deal with suicide, part of it is you have to piece together a story that helps you to move forward. Because mm -hmm. that person is gone. They don't get to tell you what, you know, they're, I mean, maybe they left a note or something, but ultimately even that my dad did leave a note and it's still, it, it doesn't help me, <laughs> you know, it's almost worse because it's like, wait, you wrote this and then you still did it. And so it's, you know, part of it is saying, okay, what's it, how do I deal with it? How do I, as the survivor of this move forward in my life? And I really think that he just, he was physically always a very strong guy. Um, he was a, a blue collar worker. He worked for the parks department for essentially his whole life. He was always outside, always working hard. And I think he just could not comprehend who he was, was now that he wasn't, he didn't think he could be as strong as he was, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. And I think he was in a lot of pain and he was always, he didn't want to be a burden on anyone and he didn't want, you know, so I think he just got to a point where he thought he had exhausted everything that he could do. And he, he decided, I'm in charge here. I'm going to be the one to decide when I go. My heart isn't going to do that for me. And so while it's misguided, I think, that was, that was what he was, was doing. And so for me, I share that story when I talk to, like if I go out and I, I talk to businesses and um, you know, teacher groups and associations and stuff like that, just because I think it's something that we all, I was shocked when, when that happened to him, the amount of people who came out to me who said they had experienced that same thing that I had no, no idea about. Mm -hmm. And people just do not want to talk about it, whether it's, you know, the stigma behind it or they're embarrassed or it makes them too sad, which I totally get. Um, whatever the reason, most people I find don't talk about it. And so I feel like if I can do that and let people know and without fail, Every time I talk about it, wherever I am, at least one or two people come up afterward with their, their own story and saying, thank you for, for sharing that. It's always so helpful to know that I'm not alone. And so that's why it's important for me, not only just to try to prevent it for other people yeah. and say, hey, you know, get help or be aware of people around you and, and be there for them, but also just the, the awareness of it um, and just helping people to you know, talk about hard things because it is hard. I mean, I'll be the first to admit, I don't like talking about it. <laughs> you know, it's not something right. I enjoy, but I find that every time I do, it helps other people. And so that's why I keep doing it. So yeah, that's, that's a big part of, of who I am and, and how I want to help people as well. Yeah. You opening up and sharing all these facets of your life mm -hmm. connects so many people to you, but just to feel comfortable with their life. Yeah, sure. So it's almost like you're doing it 
for yourself therapeutically mm-hmm. and then bifold, you're doing it for so many other people. Right. Yeah. And it honestly, it took a while. Like it was, you always hear actually as a speaker, not to process on stage. Like people want you to be vulnerable, but they don't necessarily want to see you going through your process while you're talking to them if that makes sense. Um, and so it took me a while where I felt like I had processed enough to be able to share without going through that process in front of people. Cause that can be, that can be even more difficult for people who are going through it. And so for me, that was a, a big part of what I wanted to do as well. And sometimes are harder than others. I mean, sometimes I don't cry. Sometimes I cry a lot. It just, it, it hits you. Just, I mean, that's what grief is though, right? Like grief is unpredictable it lives inside you somewhere and you never know when it's going to show up. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, so that's just part of it, you know, sharing that story over and over. Sometimes it, it's quote unquote, no problem. And other times it's, it's hard. It's like, it's happening again, but to me, it's worth it to, to make sure that people know they're not alone and to, to tell them it's okay to, to deal with that and, and they need to deal with it. So. And that it's, part of their normal. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is actually, I think how we came into contact with each other was your Different is Awesome book yep. and our Let's Redefine Normal campaign yeah. had a shirt that said, everybody's different, different is normal. Yep. So we are very aligned yes. <laughs> in our I know. world I saw here. that shirt and was like, what? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I need it. Yep. Yes. So what do you think... First, I guess this is a two-part question. What do you think the word normal means? Mm -hmm. And do you believe that different is, in fact, normal? Oh, I love words. Those are good questions. Um, Mm -hmm. So here's how I process that. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things we do that I think is not very helpful is when people, and, and I don't think we do this so much anymore, but sometimes we do. If we say like, well, I don't see color, like, mm-hmm. and everyone's the yeah. same. And it's like, but I, I get the intent, but it's actually not true. <laughs> like right. Right. Every, there are people who are different colors. That's true. And so for me, like when I go into a room and I, I do this all the time when I do assemblies, like, okay, here, we're in this gym. There are 350 people in here. I'm the only one who has one hand. Mm-hmm. And so that's different. Like it just is, yeah. you know, um, now it doesn't make it abnormal. Because to me, it's normal. It's all I've ever known. But to you guys, it's not normal. Right. You know what I mean? And so so it's kind of this relative term where people experience normal in different ways. And so it's, it's kind of a hard word to use in the context of, of everyone being different. And so that's mm-hmm. why, for me, acknowledging that we are all different is super important because we don't want to dismiss, you know, like for me, I would never want someone to dismiss the fact that I have one hand because it's a big part of my life. It's a big part of who I am, but it's not all I am. Um, you kind of said that at the beginning, that it isn't, it isn't all I am, but it's a big part of it. Um, and anybody who has a difference like that, surprise, they know it, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, they're aware. <laughs> oh, I don't have a leg. That's different than most people. Like they know it. It's not a surprise to them. But it, it becomes more about, okay, how do we embrace those differences so that we can see the similarities, even within those differences? And so that's why I don't, I don't say we're all the same, 
But I say we are all different. And in that difference, we're alike, you know? Yes. Um, and so we can take that and say, you know, what a kid came up actually a couple of weeks ago. And there's a part in my presentation where I talk about, you know, think about one thing that's different about you than anybody else or something that's unique about you. Um, and then tell someone else, like tell one of your friends one, one thing you think that's awesome about them. And his different thing about himself was that he wore glasses and he didn't like it. Like he hated that he wore glasses. He thought they were annoying. He thought he looked dumb. He didn't like that he had to wear them because he felt like it made him less than other people because he had to have something to help him see and other people didn't. And then one of his friends later in the day told him, I love your glasses. I think they look really cool. <laughs> and so he was like, all turned around because he's like, wait, this person, that was what they chose that they like about me. And that's the thing that I don't like. And so now he has to think like, wait, uh, uh, this is different. This is something that's unique about me, but maybe it's actually a good thing and not a bad thing. Like I was thinking about it before. And so that just opens up those opportunities for people to see themselves in a different way when someone else brings something positive to the table for them. So I love that part of it. I think that's awesome. It's like a different perspective mm -hmm. on what one person might think is, you know, the worst part of their life yep. is so beautiful or so relatable for someone else. Right. Yep. Exactly. And they need that connection. Yeah. Yep. So you said in one of your blogs, he made me this way for a reason. And then you've realized that statement has helped you. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think I, I do believe, I, I mean, I, I have people, What? <laughs> so this is a little offshoot of that, but I think it relates. Like when I was in college, I had a, a professor whose name was Dr. Goodpastor, and he was an atheist. So it was just <laughs> amazing. Like it was my favorite thing ever. I was just like, this is incredible. Um, but I remember him literally telling me in class, in front of all my other students, like, basically said, you're a fool if you believe in God. And I said, okay, well, I do believe in God. So do you think that I should be angry at him because he made me this way? And he just said, yep, I would be. And he just was like, he had no problem with <laughs> like, just oh saying, he's like, why wouldn't you be? I'd be angry too. And, and so that I've heard that before. Like that's a kind of a people either they'll feel bad for me or they'll like think that I'm sad or I'm jealous or that I wish I, you know, people ask me that a lot. Have you ever wished that you had two hands? And I never have. Like, I, I really do feel like I was made this way for a reason. And mm -hmm. I feel like it took me a long time to kind of figure that out because I was in my whatever early, early to mid thirties before I started doing anything intentional about it. So it took me a long time to get there but then once I got there, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so obvious. <laughs> like, you know, I get to stand in front of thousands upon thousands of kids and help them understand that being different isn't bad. Being different is great. And uh, I mean, what? <laughs> like, that's, that's my life. I love that. And, yeah. you know, I, could I do that if I had two hands? Sure. Um, but this is for me, it's like my unique story and personality put me in a position to be able to do this. And I, w I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, I, I really believe that to be true. 
I mean, it, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And so I know you said you weren't really bullied or didn't have right. a childhood that was rough mm -hmm. in that way. Yeah. But just doing what you're doing, have you seen almost a shift in our society towards like more acceptance and embracing of differences and disabilities? Or yeah. do you feel like there's still work to do? Obviously, there's work to do. Yeah. Right? There, so I would say, so here's the thing, like I am not easily offended. Like mm. I, I am not at all. Like people apologize to me all the time for stuff that I'm like, that was funny. <laughs> that, I, that didn't bother me at all, you know? And so that, so what I say is coming from that perspective, someone who mm -hmm. is not offended really by much of anything. Mm -hmm. And so we all, I feel like we are in a better place than we were a long time ago, but we still have a long way to go. I'm a, I, I say sometimes that I'm an advocate, but I feel honestly, like I feel like a pretty bad advocate sometimes <laughs> because I don't like, I don't know all the stuff that you're supposed to know that advocates know. Like I have friends who are advocates who are like really mm -hmm. good at it. <laughs> and like I kind of look to them for cues on what to do, but there are certain things that I see that are just so obvious that need to be worked on. Um, and so it is definitely something that overall I think we are definitely in a better place than we were, whatever, 20 years, 30, 40 years ago. And so I, I feel like we're much more accepting, but it's almost, it's this weird dynamic where the more accepting you become, the other side gets more entrenched. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Totally. Um, which makes it really difficult. And so even though it, it's better overall, I feel like, there is still this, um, there's, there's just something that, um, has kind of doubled down on making fun of people. And, and I think a lot of it is people are just insecure and they don't know who they are really. They're trying to figure that out. And then they have examples that are not great. <laughs> and so they right. start to do that themselves. And so it is, I, I really do believe it's still challenging. And that's why I love doing what I do because it is so still needed, even though I think we're doing a better job overall than we have been. Mm -hmm. I've seen a bunch of articles pop up on social media that's like when your child, say you're at a grocery store and your child is just staring at someone mm -hmm. and, you know, some parents would be like, stop staring mm -hmm. or pull them away really quick. Yeah. And then some of these blogs will be like, no, be yeah. curious. What mm -hmm. should you... How would you give advice to a parent who's maybe in that situation? Mm, I love that you brought that up, honestly. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite things because I, I fall on the side of what are you teaching your kid when you grab them away and tell them to be quiet? You're mm -hmm. teaching them essentially to be ashamed for noticing someone who's different. And so that, that's their example now for when they see someone who doesn't look like them is to shut up, to walk the other way. It, it's not to engage. And so we don't teach them how to engage appropriately. And so to me, and that's, that's one of the things I tell kids when I go do assemblies, I'm like, if we see someone who looks different than us, they're still, they're just a person just like us. And so how do we get to know them? We ask them questions, right? Like we would do that with anybody that we first meet. How do we get to know them? Ask them their name, ask them where they're from, what do they like to do? Like, those are questions we can ask anybody. And so that's, that's one of those things where 
Um, just, just teaching them that. And then as a parent, I understand, I mean, I thought that my kids would be at a total advantage having a dad who had one hand and they were not, <laughs> I had to teach them. <laughs> they pointed, they yelled things they shouldn't have yelled. They did all the stuff kids do because they don't know until you right. teach them. And so I was like, oh crap, <laughs> like I have to do that for my own kids too. I just thought they would get it, um, right. but they didn't. And so, yeah, I, I would say, and I would say overall, engage with your kid, even if you don't go talk to that person, engage with your kid and say, oh, did you notice that they look different? What, what did you notice? Are you curious about why they're like that? You know, just those, you know, being polite. Mm -hmm. What I suggest sometimes is that the first question you could ask would be, hey, is it okay if we ask you a question or two? Because sometimes people don't want to, and that's mm -hmm. fine as well. I mean, they might be busy. They might be insecure about how they look. They might just not want to talk about it. Um, I have heard, you know, people say, hey, I don't, I don't owe anybody anything, right? Like, I, mm -hmm. I don't owe you an explanation as to why I have one hand. Mm -hmm. which I think is true. I've just chosen to embrace that opportunity to, to help them somehow. And I'm not saying that if you don't do that, that you're wrong. I'm just saying that's the way I've chosen to do it. And so if you're a parent, I would say engage with your kid first and foremost to help them not feel like they've done something wrong for noticing mm -hmm. something that's out of the ordinary. And then if you want to engage with someone, maybe just ask them first, hey, could we ask you a question or two? And if they're open to it, Great, you know, because now your kid has an example of how to engage with someone in an appropriate way and, and have a positive experience with it, hopefully. Yeah, and have them know that we don't just shut off. We don't exclude mm -hmm. or, you know, ignore the, anyone that's different than us. Right. We, mm -hmm. let's, let's be friends. Right. Let's talk about this. Exactly. Like if a kid comes in with two hands, would you say that he can't play with you? Like, right. but, you know, what, why would you tell the one with one hand? You know, that, right. and so just helping them work through, I mean, that's just kind of a logical thing, <laughs> but it is something that kids don't, they don't get because we haven't taught them that yet. So, yeah. Yeah. I think we get caught up in society of being polite or PC or something, or don't want to offend anyone because right. so many people get offended about yep. you know, everything. For sure. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Instead of using those moments to grow mm -hmm. and educate our children. Right. Yeah, I always I always say that to people who um, I'm like I just I don't now I will say when I was younger I did get I, I took everything as an affront basically right like I had something to prove that's how I felt when I was you know so if somebody wanted to carry something for me or open a door or do you know do something for me I was always very defensive and I think it's pretty normal when you're when you're growing up because you feel like you have something to prove um, and I can do it myself. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, I don't have the energy, first of all, <laughs> to be that angry all the time. <laughs> right. And I know that people are trying to be nice and I want people to be nice. <laughs> right? mm -hmm. yeah. And so I want to, you know, foster that as much as I can. And so I'm definitely, I think you kind of mellow out a little bit as you get older um, with a difference like that. I was actually just on a flight the other, the other day going to my seat and I had like four people ask if they could help me, like on my way to my seat in the plane you're like oh can i help you at all and i'm like with what <laughs> like what, what can you help me with like i have my backpack and i'm walking to my seat and then i have my my carry-on and i got i got to my seat 
And all of a sudden, now I'm in my head and I'm thinking, okay, do I look like extra pathetic today or something? <laughs> and then I'm like, I pick my bag up and I'm going to put it in the overhead and I'm like, you better not screw this up because all these people are going to be like, see, he did need help. I <laughs> told you you needed help. So I just put all this pressure on myself. I'm sure none of them were even looking at that point, but I internally, I just had all this pressure on me. Don't screw this up, man. So I, I also think like people who have a physical difference, they get in their head more than other people are actually thinking about it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you drop something at the store your first thought is like, oh my gosh, all these people think I'm the sad, pathetic person who can't carry things (laughs) when really probably none of them even noticed. (laughs) Even so. Right. So it's just something that, you know, goes through and and you, you work through as you get older, I think. Oh my gosh. Ryan, you are a breath of fresh air. (laughs) You are funny and you make your story that is incredible. So understandable and Mm. just I just feel like you're a guiding light for all these kids who feel different to be like, hey, he's hilarious. He's awesome. He's got a great personality. What's holding me back? Yeah. Well, thank you. That means a lot. I I try to be that as much as I can. And so, yeah, it, it means a lot. You're impacting all of these people along the way. Thanks. It's very cool. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Of course. And you guys, we are doing something awesome because – Ryan's awesome and different is awesome. Let me just say, I'm super excited about this. So I'm going to let you talk about it, but I'm like ridiculously excited about it. (laughs) So pumped. So Ryan was so kind to send me and CS a signed copy of his book for our children, which I'm not going to lie, was read to my child once. They do not get to keep it in their room. (laughs) For me (laughs) on my bookshelf. But we are going to collab together. So we are going to have Ryan's book, Different is Awesome, in our shop. And not only is it the book, but it is autographed, signed by Ryan himself, along with our brand new hats, Different is Awesome. There's three different color combinations, and I think they're pretty stinking amazing. So head to everykind.com and make sure you check out both items and start spreading this message with everyone else. It's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I said, I think it's gonna be super sweet. <laughs> like I just like randomly th- throughout the day today, I was just like, dude, this is gonna be so cool. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. We like to do our tell me something good every week when CS and I chat, but I'm gonna turn it on you, Ryan. Tell us something good. Oh boy, something good. I would say um, for me right now, I mentioned earlier that I get to go out to the East Coast in a week and a half and uh, speak to what will amount to probably seven to 8,000 kids over the span of a week. Um, And I get to stay with some families um, who have kids uh, who have one hand. And so I am so excited to go do that. That's what like really brings me life. Um, believe it or not, I'm actually an introvert. And so doing this stuff takes a lot of energy for me. Um, but I would, there's nothing else I would rather spend my energy on than, than helping in this way. So I'm very excited about that. 
That is amazing. And my something good is talking to you tonight because <laughs> I have a new friend. You guys, he sends the funniest gifts. <laughs> I, I, just I will say my you. gift game is very strong. <laughs> His gift game is legit. <laughs> I will sit and just crack up and my family's like, what are you laughing at? Like, it's just Ryan's gifts. <laughs> that Maybe that's my something good now is that you are laughing at like that makes me feel very good. I will, I will admit that's probably not healthy, but it makes me feel like very good that uh, that they're hitting right. <laughs> they are landing and sticking. <laughs> and Ryan, can you tell everyone where they can follow you and find out all about you? Yep, absolutely. So the main place I would say would be livingonehanded.com. That's my website. Um, but I honestly, I update more on Instagram and. That is just at living one handed, all one word, um, all spelled out. Uh, it's the same on Twitter uh, as well. I'm trying to think of any place else. Instagram, I would say, would be the main place to follow. Awesome. And if any schools want to try and sneak you into sneak into your busy schedule, yeah. where can they contact Great you? Great question. And thank you for asking. So if people go to livingonehanded.com slash speaking, or it's just the livingonehanded.com, and then there's a speaking button right there. Just go there and then you can see what I do and send me a message and I will get back to you promptly to get things rolling. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ryan. Of course. Everyone, head to everykind.com. Get different is awesome. And we will see you guys next week. <laughs>